Hello everybody, welcome back to a brand new episode of Decoding the Unknown. This one's all about James Dean's cursed car. The only thing I fate like James Dean, I don't think I've ever seen a movie with James Dean because of course I haven't. It's crazy, like, and I'm sure in 50 years or whatever, in 100 years, people will be like, never seen Tom Cruise movies. Because, you know, nothing's forever and then everyone is ultimately forgotten. And I believe he had a car crash on like Mulholland Drive or something, I want to say. And uh, then wasn't his car like transported around schools and said like, don't drive dangerous or something like that? I don't remember. Let's just jump into it. Thank you, Katie, for writing it. The format of the show, if you're new here, is I've never read this before. We're going to explore it together and find out if the car is really cursed. I get the feeling it might not be cursed. James Dean is one of those people who, because of his untimely death, has achieved icon status in our collective memory. Yeah, like, I've never seen a movie with James Dean, but I for sure know what James Dean looks like. Forever young, cool, and with good hair. Don't worry, Simon, I'm sure he couldn't go a beard for shit. You're goddamn right. <laughs> He will remain a recognizable movie star long after we're all gone, and even though I've personally never seen any of his films, I still know his name, his face, and the fact that he died young. Yes, that sounds like Katie and I are on exactly the same page with this one. What I did not know, however, was that his car was possibly evil. Don't believe me, eh? Well, let's take a walk through the history of the car known as Little Bastard, and then tell me what you think at the end. Oh, God. How many cars, how many people has his car killed? Jesus. The death of James Dean. As well as being a theater, TV, and newly minted movie actor, James Byron Dean was also a petrolhead. In March 1955, when he'd just turned 24, he entered Palm Springs Road Races in Palm Springs, California. Whoa, he was turning 24 in 1955? So theoretically, he could be alive. He'd be like 80 today. It's, I mean, it's old, but it's not like he'd be like, you know, well, he'd be an old ass man. But it's crazy. That he, could, he died so long ago he could still be alive today. That's what happens when you die young. Winning the novice race and coming second in the main race, race in his Porsche Speedster. He continued with more impressive results the next month, and in May 1955, he entered what was to be his final competition, but didn't place due to mechanical problems. Yes, these were fast races, and yes, his studio was worried about this potentially dangerous hobby, so when he was filming Giant in June of that year, he was banned from competing in any races at the same time. As soon as Giant wrapped, Dean was raring to get back to racing and traded up to a brand new Porsche 550 Spider which he customized by having Little Bastard painted on the back. So, I'm assuming in this, Spider means a convertible car. So, if you're racing that, though, is it really smart to have a convertible racing car? I mean, obviously, like, it's convertible sports cars and stuff. But if this is a car you're going to take to the track and race in, for it to be soft top, are you mental? <laughs> that seems just extremely unnecessarily dangerous. Depending on what you read, that was either an affectionate nickname between James Dean and a friend, or an insert at him by a studio head, but either way, that's the name he decided to give his new wheels. I don't know if it's true or not, but there's a famous, uh, like, collection, series, what do you call it, group of pubs in the UK called Weatherspoons, and apparently the story behind the name of Weatherspoons is that that was the name of the guy's business teacher, like a university or whatever, is like one of his lecturers, or maybe it was at school, like his business studies teacher was called Mr. Weatherspoon. And so he named his pubs Weatherspoons, just to throw it in the guy's face, which is maybe what James Dean's doing with this car, which is kind of like a legendary move, because there's no better revenge than massive success. 
There were only 90 Porsche 550s ever produced, and they were very successful race cars, spawning copycat body designs ever since. James Dean took possession of his Spider in September 1955 and registered for the Salinas Road Race, which was taking place at the beginning of October. Because he hadn't had much time to get used to driving the car, it was decided that he'd drive up from Hollywood to Salinas, a distance of just over 300 miles. Usually, racing cars would be transported from track to track, but in this case, Dean and his mechanic, Wolserich, rode up in Little Bastard, and Dean's friend, Bill Hickman, followed in the transport vehicle with Sanford Roth, a photographer. Things were going fine, apart from both vehicles being ticketed for speeding about 80 miles into the road trip. It wasn't even massively egregious speeding either. Dean was only going about 10 miles an hour over the 55 limit. Somehow, I'm just a little tangent here. Somehow, I, I don't think I had a speeding ticket my entire life. And then in the last three years, I've had like seven. <laughs> and I don't, I, I haven't got like any, I've got two points on my license. Um, and they might have expired. But they're all from cameras. And I've always just been going a little over the speeding limit. The only correlation that I can think of is now that when I'm driving, there are often kids in the car. And I just think... I'm distracted by there being kids in the car that I don't pay as much attention to. And it's never like egregious speeding or anything. It's usually just like this, a little bit over the speed limit. It's usually like a really small fine. But I don't understand how I went. I I think it must be like distracted driving. And I don't even realize I'm that distracted. But I clearly am because maybe it's not seven. But it's at least five speeding tickets in the last three years. Whereas before I had none. And yes, of course, I use Waze because I'm not insane. If I didn't use Waze, I'd have like a hundred speeding tickets. Later on at 5.15pm, Dean and Wilthorich got on what was known as Highway 466 at the time, although it's now called Highway 46. Speeding away from their friends in the following vehicle, Dean was unable to avoid a collision with an oncoming Ford Tudor that was left turning across his path. Oh, for some reason I thought this was on like that um, Mulholland Road, Mulholland Drive. But maybe that's just because it's the only place <laughs> You know you get, because you see, I've seen so many movies that you're familiar with like random roads in Los Angeles, like Mulholland Drive. I couldn't tell you where it was, but I know it's the name of a famous movie and I know it's in Los Angeles. Uh, Sunset Boulevard. What's another one? They always talk about the 405. <laughs> why do I? Why do you know this? Why? It's because it, like Hollywood is so pervasive. The driver of the Ford was only 23 and had the suspiciously fake sounding last name of Donald Turnupseed. Oh, Turnupseed. <laughs> Turnipseed? Dean's small, lightweight car was sent cartwheeling down the road, with Turnipseed being shunted back onto the other side of the highway. Witherich was ejected from the car and actually survived the crash, which is why you should never wear a seatbelt. Just joking. Uh, Dean was trapped inside the car and died of multiple internal and external injuries shortly after his friend, Bill Hickman, arrived on the scene. Turnipseed walked away with not much more than a bloody nose. In an inquest that followed shortly after the crash, the verdict was given as accidental death with no criminal intent. It seemed likely that, due to the extremely low profile of the spider, it was less than a meter high, Turnipseed just hadn't seen it as he made his turn across the highway. It had also been rumored that Dean had been going about 85 miles per hour or 135 kilometers per hour when the crash happened, but later analysis of the scene suggested that he might have only been doing about 55 miles per hour or 88 kilometers per hour. Whatever the speed, James Dean was dead at the age of 20. But managed to leave a lasting legacy in the world of film with two of the three films he shot being released posthumously. It's kind of amazing that he wasn't even 20. How old is he? 24? 24 years old. And this, in 1955, and he still has a legacy today, which is insane. There's even like a. I've never been to it, but there's like a, a pub in the center of Prague called James Dean, like with his picture on it. I don't know if they have the license for that. <laughs> Probably not, right? And it's just like so many decades later. 
and he was so young he didn't even make that many movies so that's a brief rundown on the circumstances around the deadly crash now let's zoom in a bit on the car that carried james dean to an early grave just before we continue with today's episode, let me tell you all about today's fantastic sponsor, and that would be Notion. Look, 2023 is just around the corner. Have you made your New Year's resolutions yet? Are you someone who makes New Year's resolutions? I'm always like, I, I jot down a few ideas, and uh, generally I'm quite good at it. Sometimes, sometimes I fail, sometimes I succeed. But what will help you succeed, and what will help me succeed this next year, is using today's sponsor, Notion. Look, whether you're starting a new gym routine, organizing a trip with friends, or even planning your own company goals, Notion is a flexible, collaborative workspace that helps make you make meaningful progress in every part of your life. Get started in seconds by choosing from thousands of templates for every task, and then make it your own, from to-do lists to OKR trackers and so much more. Notion lets you build the exact system you want so you can work the way that you work best look i don't know i'm definitely someone who works off like lists little checklists and goals and all this stuff and then i break them down and it's just a lot easier with notions templates and also what they do is they combine a bunch of stuff so you know maybe you've got like a currently or whatever let's not name any competitors that's probably in there but like you know there'll be an app that does a to-do list there'll be uh an app that does project management there'll be an app that does notes and they're kind of all over the place uh notion just brings everything together into one simple powerful and beautifully designed space and uh that's that's the real benefit of it look for your personal life or for your work notion can help you out start your year off writing get organized now with a free notion account at notion.com slash decoding the unknown all lowercase notion.com slash decoding the unknown to learn more and get started for free right now and using that link supports this show go to notion.com slash decoding the unknown and now back to today's episode spooky life of little bastard Maybe it didn't like being called a little bastard, maybe it was haunted by a malevolent spirit, maybe there was just a heck of a lot of coincidences, but the story of James Dean's last car has taken on a creepy legacy of its own. We're going to hear the urban legend version before drilling down into the verifiable stuff, but a good story is a good story. So here we go. Let's start with the weird Hollywood cameo of movie superstar and Shakespearean darling British actor Sir Alec Guinness. In September 1955, he was out on the town and ran into James Dean at a restaurant. Dean was keen to show off his brand new spider, which he had literally only just taken possession of, so he dragged Sir Al out to the parking lot to take a look. Sir Al got a weird vibe from the car, came over all funny and solemnly intoned to the young that if he drove that car he wouldn't be alive in a week this sounds like urban legend creepypasta style <laughs> og creepypasta with alec guinness maybe the force was with old ben kenobi but that night dean of course didn't take any notice to his cost after the fatal crash little bastard was an insurance write-off as it had been so badly damaged bruh <laughs> When the dude in the car is dying from internal and external injuries after the car cartwheeled down the street. I don't know how valuable that car has to be for someone to be like, yeah, let's rebuild that. That's worth it. No chance. Especially like cars back in the day. Uh, like small little fragile things although cars today have so much technology and airbags that i imagine they do get written off quite easily right because it's like <laughs> yeah but then we have to put back in 74 airbags it's very complicated and expensive i couldn't believe it how much my car i, I recently had an accident not my fault i wasn't even driving my wife was driving but it wasn't her fault someone just pulled out into us while we were driving down a road it scraped like front quarter panel driver's side door rear side door and the front quarter panel you could have like you could have buffed that out that could have been fine so like we took it to the it's a volvo we took it to the volvo place where they fix the the cars and stuff where i get my like mot done or whatever and i'm like hey yeah uh, just dropping this off 
and like, no, we don't, you don't have to talk about costs because I'm not paying for it. The police came and they were like, that's clearly the other guy's fault, blah, blah, blah. And so it was going on his insurance. And so I'm just not, I don't ask questions about like price. I'm just like, drop it off, make it like new, please. And so they do that. And I get a copy of the bill, which is charged to the other person's insurance company. It was, um, in pounds, it was nine and a half grand, which is probably what, like twelve, thirteen thousand $13,000? And I'm like, <laughs> if I had just taken that to some dude to like, it was like minor damage. I mean, but they were like, well, we had to replace the, the door panel. We had to replace the other door panel. Turns out the front lighting array, which seemed to be totally fine, needed to be replaced. And those things are mad expensive. And then they were like, well, then we had to respray it and all of this stuff. And I couldn't believe how much it cost compared to like, if, if it was my fault and it was my, I wouldn't take it to my insurance because I want my no claims. I'd take it to some dude who's just going to like bang out those doors or find some like replacement doors for a few hundred quid and slap them on there. And hopefully the paint matches up enough because nine and a half grand is mad. Anyway, sorry about that. Fun tangent into my car accident a racing contemporary of dean's dr william eshrich brought bought the remaining wreck and used the miraculously undamaged porsche engine as his own lotus hilariously dubbing it potus hilarious he also sold a few other little bastard bits and bobs such as the transmission and transaxle to another rich doctor racing type friend and possible simpsons character dr troy mchenry at the next race mchenry using at least one transplanted plant from part from little bastard lost control crashed into a tree and died at the scene estrich was involved in a crash in another car totaled potus and sustained horrible injuries okay already we're well it wait this is the urban legend version of the story though right so this is where it's going it's supposed to be insane because that's a hell of a coincidence already the remaining although they are racing they're amateur racers like that is a dangerous thing professional racing's dangerous and then it's like amateur racing is just getting people who don't really know what they're doing in fast cars doesn't sound very safe the remaining wreck of little bastard made its way to george barris the owner of a car customizing business that among other notable things designed and built the original batmobile for the adam west show as Barris was getting the remains of the spider transported to his shop, it fell off the trailer, breaking a mechanic's leg. He then sold the two remaining good tires to someone in New York, but they both blew at the same time, wrecking the car. Barris had intended to restore the Porsche, but it proved to be too badly damaged, so between 1957 and 1959, it was loaned out to the National Safety Council, and it went on a tour to various car shows and car safety events where it proved a salutary and gruesome draw. Yeah. What, but what's the safety lesson there? Don't drive dangerous. Don't get into an accident, which was like, okay, yeah, he was speeding, but it was just an accident. It wasn't like he was drunk or something, and there could be some mega lesson learned. It's just like accidents happen. <laughs> so what's the lesson? Don't drive. <laughs> Wait till the future when cars are safer. I remember being amazed like about like how dangerous cars used to be. My dad was like, yeah, no, back in the day, everyone knew someone who died in a car accident. It's like, holy shit, I don't know anyone who knows anyone who died in a car accident. I think there was a kid from my school who died in a car accident, but it was like years after we left. It was just one of those rumors that you hear. But yeah, it's really rare because cars are safe. It almost didn't happen, though, as before Little Bastard's first expedition, exhibition, the garage where it was stored caught fire, burning to the ground, leaving the wreck of the spider curiously unharmed. Oh, yeah, right. At another exhibition, it fell off its stand and broke the hip of a nearby visitor. George Barkas was carrying Little Bastard to its next location on his truck when he had an accident which flung him out of the cab. What the f- Wear seatbelts! <laughs> Little Bastard once again came loose and crushed Barkas to death. A couple of years 
years later, the Porsche once again fell off a transporting vehicle, this time breaking into half on the freeway. Later on, it fell off a truck again, crashing through a store window. There are also multiple other examples of people getting cuts and injuries from being near or touching the car, including a would-be thief who broke his arm when trying to nab the steering wheel. <laughs> Serves him bloody right. It seems that even the road safety people had enough after a while. In 1960, the Porsche was sent back to Paris from Florida on a train, but when he opened the sealed boxcar, it was empty, and the wreck of the little bastard was never seen again. Probably for the best, to be honest, <laughs> given that litany of problems. The verifiable facts? Not bad for a cursed story, eh? Unfortunately, or actually maybe fortunately, the reality is not quite as bad as the tale. But some of it is true, which makes this a lot spookier than most of the stories that we debunk on this channel. Good. <laughs> most of the stories, it's just like, no, no, obviously not. Don't be silly. History Channel, what are you up to? This one, this is a good story. I like this. Let's start with the top, with the strange premonition by Sir Alec Guinness. I, I feel like that's not real, or... It's some really... How is that going to be provable in any way? In some sources, a very detailed and unnatural-sounding quote is given as, Please never get in it. It's now 10 o'clock, Friday the 23rd of September 1955. If you get in that car, you will be found dead in it by this time next week. That is suspicious and weird. If your mate, you were just out for dinner and it's like, Hey, Alec, what up, man? How's it going? And he's like, you're going to die if you get in that car. I'd be like, Alec Guinness is weird, man. <laughs> Let's not hang out with Alec Guinness anymore, that weirdo. Who talks like that? It's a load of old crap, right? Well, wrong. The encounter really happened, and Sir Alec actually wrote of his weird experience in his diary. The sports car looked sinister to me. Exhausted, hungry, feeling a little ill-tempered in spite of Dean's kindness, I heard myself saying in a voice I can hardly recognize as my own, please never get in it. If you get in that car, you'll be found dead in it by this time next week. Also, who writes in their diary like that? Well, Shakespearean actors, I guess. My diary entry would have been something like, I met James Dean! He showed me his car! I told him he'd probably die in it, lol. <laughs> yeah, this is it's nicely written and, like, not real. I mean, for a regular person, obviously, Alec Guinness, a little bit different. Just kidding, I've never written lol in my life apart from twice just now. Really? I write lol in, like, messages all the time. <laughs> uh, oh, no. And I stopped keeping a diary when I was 12, so I have no idea how I would record stuff as an adult. Probably exactly like this, actually. Anyway, while we have no answers to how or why this premonition happened, it did actually happen. Guinness also referred to it in an interview with Michael Parkinson, calling it a very, very odd, spooky experience. So there we go. This one is a fact. Which is, like, I'm kind of blown away by that. I mean, I don't think there's anything like... Guy is weird, though, isn't it? That's one of the weird, that's one of the closest things that we've come to, like, legitimately weird rather than someone's, like, losing their mind and they think they can see ghosts. Moving on, Dr. Eshrich did buy the parts and sell some to his friend, Dr. MacArthur. The Porsche's engine really was in Eshrich's Lotus, and while he did have an accident with another car, it was a minor one and neither party was injured. Troy MacArthur, on the other hand, did really crash and die with some part of Little Bastard in his car. A bona fide victim. Okay, it probably wasn't Little Bastard that killed him, but that was just coincidental. MacArthur had modified his car quite a lot to sacrifice safety for speed, and his crash was therefore not survivable. Eshrich sold many other small parts to other drivers, and as far as we know, nothing of note happened to any of them yeah this is just a coincidence and in the original like the, the fake retelling or whatever like the urban legend version it's like you know they definitely died and it was more spooky and all of this and i'm like yeah but as i i, I felt earlier it's just like this is a really dangerous hobby 
like back in the day and all this cars were really dangerous like i don't know i'd really love like especially i feel like while i'm relatively young owning a classic car would be cool i feel like young people driving classic cars is kind of cool old people driving classic cars is just old people driving old cars but so i was like i really like jaguar e-types i think it's a beautiful spectacular car but there's no way i'm gonna buy one and drive one around because it's a the, the, the seat belt's just a little thing you wear over your lap it doesn't even have the three-point thing there's no airbags it's just like no i'll just i'll just crash it and terribly injure myself or die and i was just like no i can't do that anymore <laughs> i don't want to do that because i got older and it's like now that i could do something like that it's i don't want to because i feel like mortal Moving on to George Barris, the customizer. The story of the car falling off the truck and breaking that mechanic's leg and two tires that blew are not verifiable over 60 years later. Personally, I don't think any tires from a car that has been in a highway crash should be sold on, so if they did blow, it's not really surprising. Yet it cartwheeled down the street. Those tires are going to be damaged. What about the driver that ended up bizarrely crushed by Little Bastard after somehow being ejected from his own truck? Again, no concrete proof that I found. His name has been given variously as George Barkus, Barkhois, and Barkhois, but there's no obituary or record of this death by cursed car, so I think that's just another made-up example that's been added to the tale. Same thing with the broken hip and various other injuries. The same stories are trotted out again and again, seemingly being confirmed by their mere repetition. Ah, the internet. Someone might very well have hurt themselves by touching the remains of the wrecked car there probably were all kinds of sharp edges poking out but this doesn't mean the car hurt them on purpose it could also easily have fallen off display stands due to shoddy prep work or someone bashing into it or whatever to be honest i couldn't even confirm whether the whole display and exhibition part of the car james dean died in was true really that's the only thing i know about this hotel and that might even be made up car customizer george barris did have possession of it but many people claim that because the original was in such bad shape it created a replica of it and that's is what went around on the tour circuit if this is the case then it wasn't even little bastard creating all this mayhem it was just a replica it's actually thanks to george barris that this legend really exists at all in 1974 the biography of barris came out called cars of the stars and it's from this book that most of the information about the curse of little bastard came we can say for certain the barris exaggerated or even just made up a lot of the story to keep up interest in the myth of the car the fire for example that burned down a garage but left the porsche untouched did not happen yeah to the surprise of nobody there was a newspaper story about little bastard being involved in a fire but it only minorly damaged the car and no other cars were affected at all let alone the entire building being destroyed it has become a bit of a mystery what happened to it although barris did also claim that it fell off a truck yes again and broke into 11 pieces so who knows what condition it would be in his story of the train car being empty was one answer was the car even packed into it in the first place was it stolen in florida before the train even left however over the years barris mentioned contradictory things about the location destination and method of transport for little bastard's last journey so we don't really know what happened to it after all if it's still vaguely in one piece it would be worth a lot of money not because of its association with hollywood history but because so few 550s were ever made in fact a reward was put out by an automotive museum 50 years after dean's death that if the car was returned to them and authenticated by barris they would pay a million dollars for it oh my lord that's cool 
While this seems like a lot, it's actually nothing like what the car would actually be worth, so it seemed more of a publicity stunt than anything else. Jesus. I know cars get expensive, but that's a lot. I guess James Dean's Porsche that he died in? That's like morbid, and I'm sure it's just valuable as an old Porsche anyway. The likely fate of Little Bastard is that whatever was left for it after was, was stripped for parts by Dr. Ershrich or fell apart in Barris's garage. Barris then milked the connection to James Dean for all it's worth, which was probably quite a lot, and sent his cobbled-together model on the road for looky-loos to Gorepat. Going back to the million-dollar reward for a minute, this was in 2005, and there's been more recent Little Bastard news since then. A genuine piece of the 550 Spider was put up for auction in May 2021. Whether the transaxle was in McHenry's car when it crashed, or he had just got it in his garage, I'm not sure, but it was authenticated as having come from James Dean's car. After having been held privately for decades, it went up for auction and was bought by the black sheep of Bilbo's family, Zach Baggins, who owns what's known as Zach Baggins as the Haunted Museum in Las Vegas. Yes, his name is part of the title of the museum, and he set up the transaxle in a dedicated James Dean death display. He paid $382,000 for this piece of the car, suggesting that any more of it is ever found, it would be worth a massive amount. If this part of the story couldn't get any more odd, Baggins told SF Gate writer Andrew Pridgen that pop star Billie Eilish had been the first person to see the display. Actually, let her touch it. She went speechless. Well, you probably would have if Zag Baggins was standing next to you. What? This is such a bizarre tale. If you want to check it out yourself, tickets are currently $48 for bog standard general admission to the museum. Oh, you can also see stuff like Charles Manson's bone fragments and what Baggins claims is the world's most haunted object, the Dybuk Box. Don't request an episode on this, though, because I looked into it, and guess what? Someone just made it up! But hey, if you want to pay $48 to look at a fake haunted wine cabinet, that is up to you. People will, and they do. $48 to go into what I assume is a pretty small museum? That's expensive. A strange but true addendum. I think we can safely say that the tale of Little Bastard being a cursed or evil car is just something perpetuated by George Barris to maintain interest in his story. Yeah, and make a little money! How many of these episodes have come down to spawning from a book written by one man? So, so many. It seems like most of them. There were other parts of Little Bastard that were used in other cars with no bad things ever happening to the cars or their drivers. Barris's mentions of the supposed bad things happening are either too light on detail to be verifiable or exaggerated, apart from the death of Troy McHenry, which we can put down to an unfortunate racing accident with no paranormal causes. Remember that odd moment Alec Guinness had James Dean, though? It was a week before the crash, but Dean presumably thought nothing of it at the time. Well, two weeks before the crash, Dean gave an interview to another actor called Gig Young. This has been described as him filming a public service announcement, but it was actually part of a segment for a show called Warner Brothers Presents. Anyway, it's very poignant to watch now as the interviewer talks about how Dean races cars and then asks his opinion about driving fast on the highway as there'll be lots of younger viewers watching. Dean admits that he used to fly around quite a bit. You know, I took a lot of unnecessary chances on the highways. And I started racing, and now when I drive on the highways, I'm extra cautious because no one knows what they're doing half the time. You don't know what this guy is going to do or that one. On a track, there are a lot of men who spend a lot of time developing rules and ways of safety, and I find myself being very cautious on the highway. I don't have the urge to speed on the highway.
We know that isn't exactly true, as he was pulled over for speeding on the day he died, but uh, we're not sure how fast he was going when the crash happened. Speeding or not, Donald Turnipseed turned into his path when he really shouldn't have, leaving Dean with nowhere to put his car. This was a highway, not a freeway, meaning that there weren't ramped entrances and exits, and there were cross-traffic junctions, etc., i.e. cars have to turn across lanes of traffic to access other routes. Sitting very low in a small, fast silver car, Dean was probably simply overlooked by Turnipseed, sitting in his Ford Tudor. Dean goes on to say, People say racing is dangerous, but I'll take my chances on the track any day than on a highway. Oh, so sad. It's also pretty ironic, as if Warner Brothers hadn't banned him from racing while filming, he would likely have had more miles on his 550 Spider and wouldn't have felt the need to drive it up to the racetrack to get more familiar with it. The interview is literally a couple of minutes long, but the entire thing just seems like eerie foreshadowing his death just 13 days later. Right at the end, Gig Young says, oh, One more question. Do you have any special advice for the young people who drive? Dean says, Take it easy, driving. Then it seems like he's signing off with the standard safety tip of, The life you save may be your own. But he actually changes and instead says, The life you save might be mine, and exits with a shrug and a raised eyebrow. Oh, if only Donald Turnipseed had seen it. But following Dean's death, this segment was never aired. Clearly, this is a coincidence and only takes on a spooky vibe due to its proximity to Dean's death by a young driver on the highway. But coupled with Alec Guinness's warning too, it does seem all a bit premonition-y. I know that isn't a word, but you know what I mean. So there you go, a sad end to a burgeoning star and, and a sensationalized account of the car he was in when he died all add up to cementing Dean's status as a Hollywood icon that people are still trying to get a piece of today. Drive safe, folks. Yes, thank you for being here. I do hope you enjoyed this episode. If you uh, are watching on YouTube, make sure you subscribe, make sure you like. If you're listening to this as a podcast, thank you so much. Please leave a review. That'd be amazing wherever you get your podcasts. And I'll see you next time. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.